Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Eric. Uh, I'm so happy to be here with you this morning. I get to be the pastor here. And everyone watching online, uh, good to see you guys watching online. Uh, Gail and Stapletons and everyone else, uh, glad that you could make it. Why don't you stand with me and we're going to read God's word. Last week we were in Acts 4. We're working our way backwards. We're in Acts 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are here with us, that you go before us and behind us and all around us. So I just pray that right now, here in this moment, in this time, whether in the room, whether we're watching online, that we just have open eyes and open hearts to what you are doing so that we can partner with you, God, in the work that you're doing here on earth. We just pray your kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. In your name we pray. Amen. You can take a seat. Seven years ago, I was jobless, homeless, living in my parents' basement with my pregnant wife and two kids. Nothing says success like that. Amen. Amen. And we weren't sure what exactly God was doing with us in October seven years ago. But there were a few pastors who believed in me, and they kept saying, hey, we think you should plant a church. And I thought they were crazy, because I've been a part of church plants, and it's a lot of hard work. And I said, no, 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 I just want to go someplace safe. But eventually they convinced me, yes, you should do this. And so we started gathering a team of people, just people who might be interested in starting this thing called Mosaic Church. Well, throughout the months, Kristen, as pregnant women do, kept getting larger and larger and larger, until we were nearing the time of our due date. And I had the privilege to go preach at Grace Fellowship, just up the road, one of our parent churches, and to talk about, hey, this is the kind of church we are going to be starting. And that morning, we met a few couples, and one of them were Matt and Lauren Anderson. And Lauren was about as big, if not bigger, than Kristen at that time as well. Both were nine months pregnant with their uh, little boys, Kristen pregnant with Andrew, Lauren pregnant with Emmett. And as the pr- two pregnant women met and we talked, and there's just this connection here. And we said, hey, Matt and Lauren, uh, you're overdue about a week, I think, at that time with Emmett, and said, hey, 
tonight at our house, we're just having a few friends over uh, to talk about this idea of starting a church. And we're just going to gather in our house for prayer, for a time of worship. Come on over if you want to. Gave them our address. And we met them that morning. That night they showed up at our house. And, and we worshiped together. We prayed. And then we gathered a bunch of people. I think the Harrises were there. I think the Hollands were there. We laid hands on the Andersons and just prayed they'd have a, a wonderful birth, that everything would go well. The next morning, I get a text from Matt. Hey, we had our baby. Beautiful, healthy baby boy, baby Emmett. And I was like, hey, can I come see the baby at, at the hospital? So I show up, and, and I was like, hey, what did the grandparents think about, you know, the new grandson? They're like, well, actually, you met Emmett before their grandparents did. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. We met yesterday, and now I'm meeting your brand new son today. And there was something in that moment of, of meeting brand new baby Emmett, of being with Matt and Lauren as they became parents in this amazing moment where it just felt like we were family. It felt like we had known each other for years, even though we had just met yesterday. And I think it was that morning Matt was like, hey, we're in. <laughs> we we want to be a part of this new church. And throughout that summer then, Matt and I would dream of what this church could be like. And, and, and I would come to him and say, hey, I, I, I want us to have this big three, you know, uh, the, the great commission and the great commandment. We want to help people love God, to serve others, to make disciples. And Matt's like, what if we color code each one so that, you know, when we go out and serve our neighborhood, we have red on and that's our service color and blue is our love God color and making disciples is our green color. And it's like, I love it. And he came up with these cool little icons for each one and, 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 and all the, the, the logos and the things for our church. And then, that summer, many of you came in our grand opening, and you remember we had yard signs all throughout town. Well, that was Matt and I in our green Hulk truck that didn't actually have a second seat, just a little jump seat that Matt kind of squatted in. And we'd pull over, and he'd jump out, and he'd put out the signs. We'd go into the next corner. We're putting out signs to, to spread word of, of this new church that we were starting. And, and as I was kind of thinking back over the last six years, uh, I did some quick math. I think roughly... Matt and I have done about 300 worship services together now. Yeah, give it up for Matt. That's awesome. That's awesome. See, there's no way Kristen and I alone could have started this church. We needed people like Matt and Lauren, like Ryan and Laura, like Mari and Jimmy and others who said, hey, we're going to partner with you. That's the power of partnership. And one thing I want to make very, very clear is that sometimes in churches, when we talk about you need others, a partnership, we just talk about marriage. But I just saw the statistic, and I read it online, and everything you read online is 100% true, so I know the stat is 100% true, that 50% of people in the U.S. age 18 and older are actually single. 50%. So if you find yourself in that category, maybe you're married, now you're not, maybe you've never been married, maybe... You hope to be married someday. Maybe you just you have no desire to be married. That one out of every two people are, are single. Half are married in some kind of relationship. Half are single. That doesn't mean you can't partner. Amen? We believe partnership is way beyond just marriage. It's, it's friendship. It's community. It's coming together to say, I can't do this alone. We need each other. Last Sunday, we kicked off this new series called The Upside Down Kingdom, where we're working our way backwards through the gospel. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of do this. We're starting at church in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. What are the marks of a Holy Spirit-empowered church that we see in the book of Acts? And then we're going to go to the cross, and then backwards to the cradle at Christmas time. 
And last week we saw that the marks of a Holy Spirit-empowered church that in Acts 4, what were they doing? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. We said, we want to be praying for that. It's a daily prayer. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. I can't do this on my own. I have to partner with your spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. To pray for boldness. To boldly love. To boldly proclaim the goodness and grace of Jesus. They had a unity of heart and soul. They had great power and great grace. So we need both those things. We can't just have works and, and power and authority. We also need great grace. And they were exceedingly generous. And extraordinary generosity is extraordinarily powerful. Because being generous is not something that comes natural to us. It's a supernatural thing. It's evidence that the Holy Spirit is involved in our hearts. But how did they get here? How did the early church become the kind of community that was filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness? How did they become the kind of community that was unified in heart and soul and, and operate with great power and great grace. And finally, how did they show such outrageous generosity that people stood up and noticed and said, what is going on there? The book of Acts, written by Dr. Luke, tells us the story of how the good news of Jesus spread from those 12 close friends of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And how did that happen? Through the power of partnership. Last week we looked at Acts 4, now we're moving backwards to Acts 3. We're, we're going to meet or as we just read, Peter and John. Peter and John were, were business partners first. They, they were fishermen, ran this business. Then they met Jesus, and now they're partners working for Jesus. Well, one day, Peter and John are on their way to the temple, as they did regularly. Something they did as little boys with their parents. They would have done with Jesus all the time, making their way to temple. It's kind of like going to church. Well, they come across this guy who's been lame. That means he can't walk since birth. He can't walk. He's never walked in his entire life this man's condition is his identity. He's the lame man. He's the one who can't work. He's the one who's not allowed in the temple because of his condition. If you were lame, if you were mute, you weren't allowed in the temple to worship. He can't walk. He can't work. He can't dance. That means he can't fully participate in society. And many times I've read this story, I've thought, how many times did Jesus walk by this man and not heal him? A couple weeks ago, we talked about those good friends who took their, their, their buddy who couldn't walk, and they, they did whatever it took to get their friends to Jesus, and they couldn't get him through the front door, through the windows, so they lowered him down through the roof, and Jesus healed him. Perhaps this man had some friends, but not those kind of friends who would do whatever it takes to get to Jesus, or perhaps Jesus walked right by this man three years on his way to the temple and never chose to heal this man. Perhaps this man saw Jesus from a distance and wondered, why am I not getting healed? What, what is going on here? Perhaps there's something you've been praying about and you've been bringing to Jesus and you're wondering, why, why haven't you answered this yet? And God just says, it's not the right time yet. So as Peter and John are walking, they come across this man and I wonder how many others have just stepped across this guy as they made their way to temple. Acts 3, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. This conjunction, and, that, that's the key phrase here. It says they were going up together. Who are you doing life with? Who should you be doing life with that maybe that you aren't partnering with? Who's on the other side of your aunt? See, Peter and John, they needed each other. See, Peter, I... 
I resonate with Peter. I think Olsen resonates with Peter. He's really good at speaking his mind. He loves to be on stage. He, he's the bold one. But John, John is strong and steady. Peter, he's a bold guy. John's a little more quiet and contemplative. John's the one in the upper room when, when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Everyone's like, not me, Jesus. Not me, Jesus, right? Not me. What does John do? He doesn't say anything. He just leans up against Jesus. That's, that's John. When, when the disciples had received word that Jesus had risen from the dead, what did they do? Peter and John, they raced to the tomb. They were competitive because they were in business together as fishermen, and, and now they're just fishing in a different pond for Jesus. And I love, we talk about this, in, in, the, in the Gospel of John, authored by John, he wants the whole world to know that he got to the tomb first. And I'm talking about being competitive. I, I, again, I want the whole world to know I, John, beat Peter in a foot race. So Peter is bold, but, but John is steady. They need each other. That's the power of partnership. That's why Jesus always sent his followers out to tell about the good news of Jesus by two by two. It's the power of the dynamic duo. I'm, I'm a comic book geek. Anyone else comic book geeks in here? Matt, I know you are for sure. Raise your hand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite comic book hero is Batman. He's just a normal guy with extraordinary willpower, and he happens to be a billionaire and a, be- and a wonderful inventor. But if you read the comics closely... Batman needs Robin, because without Robin, Batman takes too many chances. He, he jumps in without taking out all the guns first in a situation. But when he has Robin there beside him, he's much more careful. And he's like, we have to disarm everyone first. He's not as brutal. Robin kind of pulls him back into the light. In, in the Beatles, Lennon needed McCartney, and McCartney needed Lennon. You know, Joanna needs Chip Gaines to accomplish her vision, and Kirk Cousins needs Justin Jefferson. Amen? Peter and John, they needed each other. So yeah, John won the race to the tomb, but Peter's the one that actually goes in first. John gets there first, but he's like, ah, I don't know. And Peter just barrels right in. See, some people are a little more cautious like John. Some people are more like Peter, more likely to just charge in, to look without leaping. That's Peter. He's the one that walks on water. He chops off a guy's ear when Jesus was getting arrested. That look before you leap mentality, though, could get Peter into trouble sometimes. That's why we need each other. So here, here's what I've learned is don't just surround yourself with people that you're comfortable being around. Surround yourself with people that challenge you. Sur- surround yourself not just with people that you're comfortable, that share all your same beliefs and, and, and interests. Surround yourself with some people who are going to challenge you, who are going to stretch you to be like, okay, do I really think that? Or is that just what my parents have taught me? I, I was fortunate to grow up in a wonderful Christian home, went to a, a Pentecostal small charismatic church, and then went to a, a Lutheran middle school and a fundamentalist, extremely fundamentalist Baptist high school. And what that forced me to do was to be around people I'm not just comfortable around, but who challenged me. And to think for myself, what do I really think about these differing theological opinions and beliefs? And even as a high school student, to read the word of God for myself to explore uh, the claims of Christianity and, and to think, well, what do I really think? See, if you're more cautious and quiet like John, you need some bold people in your life, like Peter. If you're more like Peter, like me, you need some people who are a little more level-headed and steady. We need to stop trying to make everyone just like us, amen? Because there's beauty in diversity. Let's learn from our differences. We need, we need each other. It says, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms, that's like charity, of those entering the temple. 
And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Here's why we need each other. I, I think if John hadn't been there, perhaps Peter would have just walked right by him. He's on a mission. He's got to get to the temple on time. But if Peter hadn't been there, maybe John wouldn't have had the boldness to stop and talk to the man who had been born lame. They need each other. That's the power of partnership. And one thing I've learned in starting this church is people don't have to share every perspective of yours to share your purpose. There are things we can disagree on. We can say, you know what, that's a good point. This isn't something we're going to die over. This is a belief that maybe it's important to us, but you know what? We have slightly different perspectives on this, and that's okay. We can still have the same purpose of coming together to experience the grace of God in fellowship and community and, and to extend that to others and say, hey, you were born for a purpose. You were made on purpose. And even we may have different, slightly different perspectives, that's okay. Just because someone sees the world a little differently doesn't mean we can't partner together for the same purpose. That's the power in the partnership. But this man who was born uh, lame, he also had some partners. It says every day some friends would take him to the gate outside the temple. He had some friends who, who would help him out to make sure where he could get where he needed to go in a, in a very public place so he could beg and, and, and live and get some money. This man had an ugly condition, but he's sitting at the gate called Beautiful. Sometimes I think some of us feel that way in church. There's beautiful people, beautiful music, and on the inside maybe you just feel a little, a little ugly. You snap at your kids or your husband or you looked at something online you know you shouldn't have or there's been some substance that you know you've been leaning on and you shouldn't be. And perhaps you come together and you feel like everyone else has their life all together and you're the only one that has some ugliness, but I want you to know that you're here for a purpose. That you are here for a reason. And every day this man is put there outside the temple. That means he had some friends who were willing to help him, but they could only do so much. It's possible you have some people in your life who have been there for you and they've been helping you out, but they've taken you as far as they can right now. Regardless of how much this man appreciated these partners of him who got him to the place where he could beg, he needed some new partners. And sometimes you have to get past the point of just getting help so that you can get healed. Sometimes I've seen people in dysfunctional, codependent relationships where this relationship is helping you, but perhaps it's preventing you from finding true healing. That's where this man was. He was getting help, but he wasn't getting healing. So Peter and John stop to look at this man. He expects to get some money, but instead he gets a miracle. And this man's life was changed when he hooked up with the right partners. This man had an ugly condition, but he's sitting at the beautiful gate. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, or if you remember, if you grew up reading the King James Version, silver and gold have I not but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, the hand of authority, and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. First time in his life outside the temple, he's walking, he's leaping. 
And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. What an amazing story. Here's what I love. Is who prayed for healing and had the boldness to reach out the hand to this lame man? It's Peter. The Bible doesn't say John did anything. <laughs> but Peter couldn't preach if he didn't have John there with him. John was like the silent partner. See, thank God for the silent partners, the people that don't have to be on stage speaking or singing or drumming or playing guitar. We have some amazing leaders in our church. And I try to stretch them because the power is in the stretch and say, hey, we need you up on stage talking about this or that or praying. And it's good to be stretched, but ultimately, they're the silent partners. See, Dear, sweet Wendy, she gets so nervous up here. But Wendy's willing to take someone out who visited for the first time on Sunday and a cup of coffee and talk and listen to their story. Wendy's willing to give 90 minutes every Thursday to a young mom in our church who just gave her life to Jesus a couple months ago. Wendy, to have kids in her house whose dad died in January. Because we need the people who don't have to be on stage, who aren't praying for healing and lifting people up. We need both. Amen? That's the power of partnership. Verse 11. Oh, verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. But then the next verse. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's or Solomon's porch. I don't understand. Just in the last verse, he's leaping and dancing and he's walking because he's been healed. And now he's clinging to Peter and John. If he had the ability to leap, why is he leaning on Peter and John? I think his mentality had not caught up with his reality. His feet were stronger than his mind. He's leaping in one verse and he's leaning in the next. Why would he do that? But don't you and I do that same thing? Maybe Sunday morning at 10 a.m. when the worship is going, the battle belongs, we're leaping for God, and then... Monday at 8 a.m. when we got to get the kids up and ready for school. We're barely leaning on something. Or Friday at 11 p.m. We find ourselves leaning on that substance that we know we shouldn't be leaning on. Leaning on that app we know we should delete. What are you leaning on right now that you don't need anymore? Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a relationship that you know it's dysfunctional, it's codependent. Maybe it's a pattern of pessimism, of fear. And maybe that app on your phone that you know you need to delete. But it gives you that hit of dopamine. And you're leaning on something throughout the week. When you know you should be leaping with Jesus, you're leaning on something you shouldn't be leaning on anymore. See, this man got healed in verse 7. In an instant, he became strong. When you and I, when we give our lives to Jesus, 
We become, you become a new creation. The old is gone. Here's how Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, those who bow the knee to King Jesus, who exchange our sins for his love and grace, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are, you became new. I want to get a little deep theologically here. If you have bowed your knee to Jesus and confessed your sins, then you are a new creation. You have been justified in the eyes of Christ. Jesus stamps paid in full on your bill that you owed God. But oftentimes we don't feel like a new creation. We feel like we still need to owe something to God, some debt. But I want you to know that when Jesus said, it is finished, tetelestai, on the cross, he meant it. You are paid in full. That means you and I have been made right with God if we put our trust in Jesus. That's the theological concept called justification. It's a legal term. It's you're going to court. You know you're guilty. But the judge says, hey, someone else paid your penalty. You don't have to pay for that crime anymore. It's been paid in full. You are a thief. You've been caught. You're guilty. But someone else is going for jail for that crime that you committed. Now, however, that thief who's been declared innocent by the judge, has he been magically transformed that he no longer has any more temptation to steal again? No. It's the same for us. Justification tells us that our sins have been paid in full and we're declared innocent of all crimes we've ever committed and all crimes we will commit. But the Bible teaches us that through the power of the Holy Spirit, now we partner with God in a process called sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming that which we've been declared to be. God says, you are a new creation. You are a holy people. You have been made righteous. We wake up Monday morning and we say, I don't feel like a new creation. I don't feel holy. I don't feel like a royal priesthood. I don't feel righteous. There's a disconnect which what we've been declared to be and who we're becoming. And that's the mystery of life here on this side of eternity. The Bible calls it like an already but not yet. You've already been saved, but you are being saved. You will be saved. And so what happens is we've been declared righteous. We've been declared healed. We've been declared holy. But Monday morning, we don't feel like it. So we wake up and we partner with the Holy Spirit to become that which we've been declared to be. It's this this word's called spiritual formation. We're being formed into the people that God wants us to be. It's a partnership. The Holy Spirit has a part to play, and we have a part to play. We've been using this quote a lot. Grace isn't opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. Grace says, you're made new. You're a new creation. You're adopted. All your sins are forgiven. But we're not opposed to some effort. This man's leaning, but he can leap. He's going to have to use those legs. He's going to now have to live out his purpose. He's not just going to sit back and do nothing. He's going to say, now, what is my life for? Why have I been healed in this time, in this place? Jesus didn't heal when he was walking on earth, but his followers, Peter and John, did. Why is that? He now has a purpose for his life. Here's how Jesus says it in Matthew 11. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. We've talked how rabbis in this day and age, they have their system of teaching would be called their yoke. And Jesus is saying, my system, my, my teaching is, is light. For the longest time, I, I just thought of this as something that we, just, we, we put on and we have to carry and it's light, but it's still a burden. And it was about two years ago when I was teaching on this, it really hit me, this idea of, uh, of a cart of oxen. And, and most times, what would those carts have? They'd have you know, two oxen to help pull the load. So that yoke would be on the two different oxens. And what's really interesting, whether it's oxen or horses, they found that when, when, when you put them together, they can always pull much more than they can by themselves. And if you add it up, how much they could pull on their own. It's the power of partnership. But what changed for me about two years ago was this idea that there's this yoke and there's, there's two harnesses and, and we're in one and Jesus is right beside us in the next one. He's saying, come on, take my yoke. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to do the heavy lifting here. You're going to help me out. It's like sometimes when my kids help me carry something and you're really doing all the work and they're taking maybe 5% of it, you know, they're carrying something with you. That's how Jesus says, hey, I'm going to do the heavy lifting here. You're going to partner with me. You're going to walk alongside. You got something to do, but you know what? Let me take that, the heavy load for you. I love that picture of Jesus. That his, his yoke is light and he's doing the heavy lifting as he's right beside us. And so this man who's just been healed, he's leaning on Peter and John as they walk into the temple. And something important for you to know, as I mentioned earlier, you weren't allowed to worship if you were in the temple, if you were defective in any way. If you read ahead in, in Acts, you see about the Ethiopian eunuch, an African man who journeyed all this way up to Jerusalem to, to worship. And that story always gets me choked up because I don't know if he knew this, he wouldn't have been allowed inside the temple as a eunuch. He was maimed. So he's coming back and he's reading the scroll of Isaiah and he says, I don't understand this. And Philip miraculously is running beside him. He's like, do you want me to explain it to you? And, and, and then he gets baptized and he says, is there any reason I shouldn't be baptized? And Philip's like, ah, no. Because according to the Old Testament, the old way of doing things, he wouldn't have been baptized as someone who's a eunuch. But now through Jesus, he's allowed in the temple. And so this man, he's been outside his whole life. He's not allowed in because of his deformity, because of his legs. And so what I picture, he's jumping up and down, he's leaping, he's been healed for the first time. He's like, yeah, this is amazing. And Peter and John are like, come on, let's go to the temple. And he walks into the temple. And then he looks around at the beautiful temple. And he's like, I've never been here before. Everyone's staring at me. They're all beautiful. They know when to stand, when to sit. They know how to do this whole church thing, but I don't. And so he says, hey, hey, Peter, hey, John, can, can, I, can, I just, can I just lean on you a little bit? I've never done this before. I, I don't know when to stand, to sit. I don't know how this whole worship thing works. And so he's leaning on Peter and John and and then Peter, they're outside. He preaches this bold message, and the Bible tells us that 2,000 more people get saved and declare Jesus the leader of their life for a total of 5,000 people, and it's amazing. And what I love is Peter's using this man in his life as a prop for his sermon. And God says, I want to prop you up so you can point you to Jesus. 
See, I believe that man was healed in that time, that place, because God knew that was the right moment that this man's life can be a sermon illustration. And I believe that sermon illustration was way more powerful than whatever Peter said in his sermon, amen? And 2,000 people give their life to Jesus because Jesus is the one who brings healing and salvation. See, I believe perhaps you're waiting on that miracle. Perhaps you've been praying for something. And God has said, not yet. Because he's waiting for that moment to answer your prayer so that your life can point to Jesus, that your life can be a prop to point people to Jesus. That's the power of partnership. That's how we partner with each other and we partner with the Holy Spirit to become the kind of community like the early church that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that speaks the word of God of boldness, that has unity of heart and soul, that shows great power and great grace, that is exceedingly generous. We can't do that on our own strength. It's only by partnering with each other and by partnering with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. And before they do, I'm going to ask Matt and Josh to be up here with me. But so much, though, what I've seen in the last 18 months has really made me discouraged about church. Anyone else, just being honest? Anyone else discouraged by Christians? Okay, the rest of you are lying. I know that. I see you. I see your Facebook feeds. Some ugliness has been exposed. And I think what happens all too often is, here, why don't you guys come here, is we're supposed to be partnering together, face me, face me, and, 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 and we're doing life, but it's like the enemy's out there, right, right? And it's like, well, I'm going to go fight the enemy, and I'm hitting Matt, I'm hitting Olsen, I'm, they're taking shots from each other, and they're, you know, looking at me and, and what I'm doing and, and, and critiquing each other because our focus is on each other and, and the Christians around us and, hey, you don't share my perspective exactly on, on this thing, so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, point my attention at you and whatever. And, and even if I'm trying to point out there, like we're, we're taking friendly fire from each other. But what we need to do is we're going to go back to back here. Give me your best James Bond. Oh. See, we got, we got our weapons out now. There we go. Oh, yeah, there we go. See, now, right, Aaron? No one's going to sneak up on us, right? Now we are facing the enemy. Now we have purpose because we're not so concerned about different perspectives. We know we need each other. We know we need our differences. And we're focused on what's important, which is outwards. Amen? So church, what we need to do is get a little less concerned about other Christians who may share different viewpoints on masks or vaccines or racial issues or complementarianism, egalitarianism or church governance or the Holy Spirit, these kind of things. Say, hey, we are partnering together with the Holy Spirit to make a difference. Amen? Give these guys a hand. Thanks. So, this week, may I encourage you, find some Christ followers to be back-to-back with to say, hey, I got your back. There are people in this church who have told me, I've got your back, Eric. I know they're not going to nitpick the little things that I do wrong and, I, and, I, and the way I, I come up short. Instead, hey, I got your back, you got my back. We're facing outwards. We're saying, how can we spread the love and grace of Jesus? How do we bring healing with us? How do we bring goodness and grace? Because that's what we're made for, amen? 
Not just to bow the knee to Jesus and hang out here trying to have some pleasure until we go to heaven. Say, hey, we're part of the kingdom of God. We're, We're made for a reason. So this week, may you know that you were created for a purpose, on purpose, to partner with others and with the Holy Spirit to build his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Let's stand, and uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go out of here singing one last song. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you saw us lying like the man outside the, the temple, like the lame man who could not save himself, but Jesus, you came and you healed us and restored us and renewed us and gave us new life. So now I pray that each and every one of us who follow you, Jesus, our lives would become like a prop that you could use to tell your story. The story that once we were lost and broken, but now we found healing and new purpose. God, I pray that we would focus outward, not get so obsessed with people whose perspective might be a little different than us, but to say, hey, we're in this together to to help those people who are hurting and broken and and suicidal and and, and needing healing and needing a friend and just discouraged and, and, and facing hardships. God, speak to us how we can Speak your word boldly to be how we can be unified, how we can be generous, how we can have great power and great grace as we partner together, as we partner with your spirit to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, God. Thank you that you invite us to partner with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go out of here singing. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.